1: 4 o'clock here, Sports Radio, WEEI, Christian Arcan, Megan Adelini. It's Arcan and Mego here going until 6 o'clock. As promised, we're taking a quick football break this hour because both your winner teams were in action last night. And I don't know if you noticed, uh, Boston, but they're both pretty good. Uh, the Boston Bruins starting a West Coast road trip. Uh, started off well with a 5-2 win over the Kings. Trent Frederick uh, picking up the slack there for uh, Jake DeBrusk, who's going to be out for a little while. The Celtics also winners last night. A game that had uh, potential MVP implications as uh, Tatum and uh, Luka Doncic going head to head there. But let's go ahead and start with the uh, with the Bruins, who I'm sorry. I mean, you, you just you look at what this team is doing night in, night out. Guys injured, guys in. Linus Allmark in net, uh, Jeremy Swayman in net. It doesn't really seem like it matters all that much these days. Uh, they go out there and uh, really uh, just. Um, Uh, boat race the Kings there in the second and third periods uh Trent Frederick an assist away from a Gordie Howe hat trick had Mm -hmm. two goals in about 30 seconds there to put this game out of reach uh can anything stop these Boston Bruins Megan Adeline no
3: I'm really glad that you started off that whole rundown that you went through with an apology (laughs) I'm sorry this is how good the Bruins are true (laughs) no uh what'd you think of Frederick with the putting his mitts on Lemo last night.
1: I thought it was uh, fine. I think that Frederick's probably your best fighter. I think that he's uh, he's the guy that has to answer. And I know it's not much of this in the NHL anymore. It's not like there's big hits and then everybody sort of settles it anymore. I feel like fights are a lot more random now than they used to be. But if you need someone to go out there and throw, uh, Frederick will do it. And he's probably, got the, he's probably got the toughest knuckles on the team. He's I would kind think. of run
4: around the first, so I definitely thought about it. And when he came up to me, I can't ever say no to him. I'm not a big fan of him, so every chance
1: I get I, get I try to
3: do it. I love how hockey players will just be straight up. Like, yeah. I don't like that guy. So, <laughs> you know, even if they're just stirring up I
1: can't resist. Like, like I got to punch him.
3: <laughs> even if, Yeah, even if it's just almost like a WWE-style thing for the cameras of being like, you know, behind the scenes, it's fine. A lot of times it's not. But their their willingness to just say whatever, like, yeah, that guy sucks. So, you know, any chance I get to punch, his, punch him out, yeah. I'll take.
1: Yeah, yeah. And he did. He took the opportunity and knocked him out. The Boston Bruins... They didn't knock him out. But the Boston Bruins uh, won their 30th game in 38 attempts. That's the second fastest uh, to 30 wins in NHL history, tying the 1944-45 Canadiens. And the only team that ever got there faster was the Bruins back in 1929. So that's like... (laughs) So we're, we're
3: going back a hundred years now. That's
1: back when the goalies didn't wear masks. Like, that's <laughs> when the goalies wore like glasses and that was all they had for uh, to protect their face.
3: And the guy who was wearing glasses, everyone else pointed at him and was like, I uh, hey, nice said, glasses eh? they said a cat word. Yeah, <laughs> like, probably. Look at this look at this kitty cat.
1: <laughs> um the Bruins are ridiculous. Uh, that's that's really the only way to to say it. I can't I can't get over what they're doing this year and how they're doing it. It's really uh, it's really something to see. You kind of just wonder when the, when the other shoe's gonna drop. like you wonder when the magic fairy dust is gonna wear off because we know these Bruins. We've been watching these Bruins for a while. We know what they're capable of. We know what their ceiling is, and I think that right now you've got you've got a team that's defying all expectations and and really seems like the sky's the limit. I, that being said, we know these Bruins. We know what they are. We know that they need, like, certain things to happen for them to be really successful. That Stanley Cup run they had in 2017 was great, or uh, 2019 was great, but they they needed all these things to happen in order for them to even get there. You know, the the Lightning had to get knocked off. The Capitals got knocked off. They probably would have lost to one of those two teams. And when it came down to it in Game 7, they lost to St. Louis anyway. I want to believe in these Bruins. I want to. But I've been hurt too many times, Megan. I've been hurt too many times by these guys. I know what what how these things tend to end and uh, I just I'm I feel like I'm getting I feel like I'm getting hoodwinked right now. I does, don't that, think does that make sense? You should feel
3: that way. I I feel like you're still a little skittish, yeah. Because everyone set the expectations, set the bar so low for the team at the beginning of the season. It's like Matt so Jones like, with a
1: new offensive coordinator. <laughs> it's you know, like, I can't handle. How long?
3: How long can they do this? How long can they do this? How long can they do this? We're in January. It's safe to say that this is who these guys are. I do wonder what did you make of the Marshan call last night? The unsportsmanlike conduct. Slam me a stick inside. He needs
1: to relax, is what I mean. Because made of sometimes
3: that. I feel like it surprises me to see that kind of stuff from Marshan. And I understand being upset about the call, but he's he he's always, you know, he's always a little fiery. I, I, and no, I was gonna <laughs> say edge. like the
4: antagonistic. Yeah.
3: yeah. He he's a little bratty out there with certain things and he's definitely been an instigator, but he seems like he's been in more control of himself and more control of himself emotionally, especially during the regular season yeah, than in years past. So to see that you do wonder sometimes about while everything's going rolling along smoothly, like it is right now. Hey, Jake DeBrus goes down with a freaking broken leg in the winter classic and then next man up mentality. And you just go steamroll on a West coast road trip. But then to see Marchand kind of slip into some of those tendencies again like, I do wonder about some of these old problems, as you said. You know these Bruins, like that coming out of the DNA, rearing their ugly heads again.
1: You know what's interesting about Marchand is he hasn't really busted out this year yet. He's having kind of a slow year. He's got a lot of assists, but, like, he's not it's scoring quiet. a lot of goals. I think he only scored three goals in December, which is low for him. He's He started the year a little bit later than some guys, so I understand maybe he hasn't been 100%. But for him... And the type of production that we're used to from Brad Marchand, like I feel like there's another level this team can hit once he starts really, you know, scoring goals and being productive. Which isn't to say he's holding him back now or anything, but uh, he's uh, he's he's a guy who I sort of look at and think that might be uh, an ace in the hole. He had a power play goal in the game last night, um, and if you don't know what we're talking about, there was a uh, play where he sort of came through uh, in between the circles. Looked like he got very clearly tripped, mm-hmm. and he was all pissed off about it. He was it. Super pissed. Started like slamming his stick, <laughs> and he then goes he gets the in the. Bench. Penalty
3: box and he's like,
1: screaming he looks and, like, yeah. he
3: looked like Britney Spears <laughs> when she shaved her head and then she started like, you know, she had the umbrella outside her car Wow! and then the paparazzi comes up. Like yeah. he was in the penalty box with his hand up, like paparazzi style. <laughs> what year was that of Britney? That was like the <laughs> breakdown. Britney, that, was the, right? that, yeah. that was the second iteration of like that, bonkers Britney. But that's what he looked like to me.
1: Um, Britney shaved her head in 2008.
3: Yeah. 2008. Time uh,
1: simpler times. Uh, that is correct. Um, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> wouldn't have made, the, wouldn't have made that connection, but I'm glad that you did. did he look
3: like that?
1: He looked, Am I uh, wrong? he looked a little unhinged. He looked a little unhinged but and it, he is that more settled of like down. A, so. Well, that's what I'm saying. He right. settled
4: down. Didn't that see, I don't know. I look at that and I think it was a little more contrived considering what we know Brad Marchand is capable of when he really loses his crap. That almost felt like, uh, and I saw it in the Celtics game too, uh, with Luka Doncic was, was desperately trying to get a technical foul. It's like, guys. We need to wake up, and if if this is the stuff I have to do in order to get this team motivated and playing the way we know we're playing, then I will break sticks. I will take an extra two minutes, five minutes, whatever penalty I have to do. And once again, it ended up working out very well for this Bruins team, which I just looked, have not lost consecutive games one Mm -hmm. time this year. The wagon just continues to roll with this team, so I mean, Arkan, I respect that you're, you know, cautiously optimistic because this team has
1: let us down. They have. I don't think he's
3: cautiously optimistic. I think he's worried. I'm
1: scared. That's what it sounds I'm like. I'm scared.
3: He can't let himself be vulnerable like a, to this experience. I'm again.
1: like a cat around like a pond. You know, I'm scared to go in. <laughs> I'm, sh- <laughs> I'm shaking on the shore right now. That's what it is. Like I feel like there's uh, there's just another shoe that's going to drop here, and I just feel like I'd be a I'd be a bad fan if I didn't if I didn't expect it that you're. <laughs> That makes sense. I guess so. Like so, I feel like I'd be like a, a fair weather Bruins fan who just sort of breezes on in when they're playing really well, and that if I don't sort of acknowledge what this team has been lately, then I'm not. I don't know. I'm not doing that, my job. That,
4: that's a very sad way to go through it life. Where you can't let yourself love until you've been hurt to know how you're going to react once you have been hurt. I say let yourself love, Christian. Just open
1: your heart. To Bruins. This segment has been very sort of romance novely, hasn't it?
3: <laughs> How is that? that uh, like making yourself vulnerable?
1: I guess so. I guess so. Uh, Steve is in Maynard. He has a thought. Go ahead, Steve.
3: Steve. Hello? Hi, Steve. Hey, how's it going today?
1: It's going all right. How are you doing? I'm all right. All right. So I wanted to get your thoughts on trading Carlo. Let me know what you got. Trading him for who? Just for just a trade? Anyone? get rid yes. of him. I'm tired of this kid. He's tough. He, he's big enough that he should be tough on the D end but he has no backbone. He tries to be an offensive skill guy when he's, you know, pinching it on the boards. He just can't do it. I'm tired of watching this guy. The turnstile. All right. Thanks for the call, Steve. Um, I don't know that uh, I would trade Brandon Carlo. I think he's still one of your stronger defensemen. I do think he tries to get a little fancy sometimes, and he does have uh, injury history, which, you know, is something you got to I mean, think some about. Some of that's not his fault, It's though. definitely not his fault. It's a lot of concussions and bad hits and things like that. Tom Wilson, uh, you know, cleaned his clock a couple years ago, and that wasn't his fault, to be sure. But I also think that, you know, this Brandon Brandon Carlo just trading him away just to trade him. So then what? Who, who are you bringing up? I feel like I, you don't have a ton of guys in your pipeline. Kind of,
3: that's my favorite kind of call, though. Like, call and, train him for what? Anybody. Anybody. Just get yeah, him you out. You guys are the
4: big sports experts. He's
3: like, like just, just unload him. Pucks, just, exactly. Get him out of here. He's toxic.
4: You have a, a, an incredible opportunity with this team where I was very much looking forward once uh, Charlie McAvoy returned to the lineup to see what a uh, McAvoy-Lindholm lineup looked like because we didn't get to see it at the end of last year when right. Hampus got hurt. And not only have they split them up, but you have McAvoy on one line, uh Hamp is usually skating on the second pairing. You, and I think having Carlo and Grizzlick playing at the level that they're playing at allows you to do that. I don't know why anybody would want to mess around with, with how the
1: three D pairings have gone so far. I wouldn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. And Forbert too. Forbert's having a big year. I, I agree with you. I don't Borderline think, career year for Derek Forbert. There's no reason to trade Brandon Carlo unless you just don't like him. And I think that caller made <laughs> it pretty clear he just doesn't Any like Brandon doesn't like Carlo. Like him. Yeah. So sorry, Steve. I think uh, I think he's here to stay. And I would I would be an advocate of that too. Um it's not like Brandon Carlos held them back at all this year. They're having one of the best years any team in the history of the National Hockey League's ever had. And if you don't know, that goes back, you know, sometimes. So, right?
4: <laughs> nice I think 10,
1: 20 years at the most. Yeah. If someone starts really, you know, if they start losing games, or here's what I'm worried about. The main thing I'm worried about with this team, first and foremost, is that Linus Allmark's not going to play like this all year. And that's a realistic concern to have. Because how, Linus Allmark's going to be Dominic Hoschuk and Ed Belfour wrapped in one for the entire season? Like, really? Do we all believe that? going to happen and they have a good backup i think swayman's a fine backup but a big part of why the bruins have been as good as they are this year is because the goaltending has been unbelievable and i just feel like that's 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 going to wear off at some point right it has to
3: yeah i mean the the pace that they're at right now is not sustainable but they don't have to be at this pace we right were saying the pace is histori- sustainable two months ago yeah but they're also historically good so if they slip a little bit like is it end times no you get into the postseason, you're fine. Yeah, get have into the not playoffs, lost back-to-back games. And then it, it once, if there's a meltdown that starts in the playoffs, then it's concern time.
1: Yes, absolutely. 617 779 nine, seven ninety three seven. There's your phone number. All right, talk some Bruins there. we got to get to the Celtics as well. That was a big Celtics win last night over the Dallas Mavericks. Jason Tatum making his case for MVP. We'll get to all of that right after Trending. There's so much more to it than just saying, here's the 18-footer.
4: Now a Christian Wood corner three contested with two of the shot like it's not a good shot. Now matter what. Tatum switches to the left hand, crosses everybody over, and
1: that's enough for Jason Kidd.
2: Uh, oh, sookie,
1: sookie hey! A little after 420 here, Sports Radio WEEI, Christian Arkin, Megan Ottolini. That was from uh, the Celtics' win over the Mavericks last night. Pretty easy win. A game that was never really in uh, all that much uh, uh, peril for the Celtics as they uh, put the screws to Luka Doncic and the rest of that Mavericks team. Um, I texted you during the game because uh, there <laughs> yes, <you> was did. <laughs> a point where it seemed like Jason Tatum wasn't having a great night. Uh, he was shooting 5 of 17, I think, when I texted you. He had about, I don't know, 18, 19 points, something like that. He wasn't shooting well. And I said, wow, Tatum's having a crap game and they're still kicking Dallas's ass. Tatum finishes with a triple-double, so uh, clearly I'm an idiot, but uh, that, was a, uh, that was a statement game, I would say. A statement win.
3: I was to paint the picture I was watching this game at a bar in Dorchester with a martini. So when he sent me <laughs> (laughs) that text message i was like am i watching this wrong (laughs) i mean the shooting wasn't there but you could and this is going to sound maybe a little bobo-ish but you can flip that on its head and say that this is where tatum we've seen the real growth from two seasons ago we certainly saw some of this last season and in the playoffs to some extent yep but this is only the second uh triple double that he's had in his whole career And it illustrates, it's not to say that he doesn't have a well-rounded game, but the fact that he could do that on a night when he had stretches of shooting so poorly that he was able to round it out and be a huge force on the floor while just not having it in that one aspect that's the strongest point of his game by far. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a couple months ago, I think it was right before Thanksgiving, I was given some lip to Forsberg and our friends at NBC Sports Boston mm-hmm. because they were all about Jason Tatum for MVP. Okay. And I was like, holy smokes. And you were giving smokes. them the business. I was like, guys, cu-. it wasn't it wasn't Thanksgiving. I think it was maybe 10 days before Thanksgiving. Okay.
1: So that's pre-Arcan. I, pre- like,
3: <laughs> I was like, let's pump the brakes. Yep. Yeah. I don't expect you to remember this. <laughs> this is a little bit, this is extremely ridiculous was my take at the time. Mm-hmm. Now it's January 6th, a notable date for many people. Uh, for many reasons. <laughs> yeah, the housewife got
1: sentenced today, right? <laughs> Wait,
3: what?
1: Yeah, one of the housewives got sentenced today. My wife told me. She's like, January 6th, big day. The housewife is getting sentenced. Is I this said, a what, Bravo what the real bleep housewife? What are you talking about? Yeah, one of the Bravo housewives. Which one? I don't know what her name is, but I know what that she scammed, a bunch she, of, she scammed a bunch of old people uh, with like a telemarketing scheme. And she's going to jail for like six years, (laughs) and she got sentenced today. And that's the big January 6th joke. Okay.
3: (laughs) Well, anyway, this day, January 6th, I'm ready to say Mm -hmm. MVP is 100% Jason Tatum's to lose at this point. Wow. 100%. There is no reason that he should not have this on lock going through the rest of the season.
1: And you are basing this off of a win over Luka Doncic because Luka didn't look great, or is it more than that?
3: It's more than that. And so I wrote about this... Well, technically Wednesday night, but it went up yesterday for WEI.com, the website I write for once a week, and about how we talked to Scale about this, but how important it is in these moments when you have a head-to-head between Tatum and a player like Luka, who have been one and two throughout this season juggling mm-hmm. the odds as a, the leader for the MVP battle, that when you have them in a head-to-head game in January, when there's not a whole lot else going on in the NBA world, it's important to show up. And yeah. Tatum didn't show up completely in his shooting, as we just talked about. But he showed up in other ways. And I think it's the kind of game that when the sports writers, the broadcasters, the people who vote on the MVP award are going to think back to and go, huh. And I say that it's his to lose because when you look at these head-to-heads, go back to October when it's Celtic Sixers. And he's taken on Joel Embiid, who mm-hmm. last year at times was... MVP, you know, just...
1: He's in the mix this year, too.
3: Exactly. Uh, Tatum bests him. Go into... When he goes up... Every time... I love every time he goes up against Ja Morant, because I think Ja is an incredible talent. And it's always just an exciting matchup. Loved the game that they had last spring. But in November, he bests him. Okay, he goes up against Jokic. Bests him. Goes up against Luka. Luka. Uh, right around Thanksgiving, this is when all the MVP talk over at NBC Sports Boston is starting to heat up. So goes and takes down Luca. Goes against Kevin Durant. Jokic beat we- him.
1: Jokic beat him a couple weeks ago, right? Didn't he beat him? Yeah, last but day? I'm
3: at the- I'm going chronologically. Here. I'm sorry. Okay, okay? can Go you ahead. just let me do my thing? Okay, sure. So goes up against the Nets. Beats Durant. Mm-hmm. Beats Booker in uh, early December. Beats Giannis on Christmas Day. A huge, huge stage for this, again, for the voters to look at this. Puts up, what was it, like 41 points on Christmas Day and follows that up with another great, I think it was 38 points against the Suns before they sputtering against Golden State and the rest of that up-and-down road trip and then the skids and everything. Um, And overall, his numbers are just so high So consistent throughout this season. 31 points a game, 4 assists, 8 rebounds a game. Best field goal percentage since his rookie season. When I covered that team, we all sat there going like, holy smokes, we knew that this kid was going to be good, but not this good right away. Yeah. And had a little bit of a come down maybe the season after that. But I just think the way that he's showing up in these high-profile games and then doing it consistently on the best team in the league, if he doesn't win it, it's because there's some kind of disastrous slide or an injury or something that happens in the second half of the season.
1: Right now, if you look at the sports books, Jason Tatum in most of them is either second or third. It's Luka first, Giannis second, and then Tatum. Um, A couple others have him ahead of uh, Giannis, but he's not first, really, and I don't think too many of them. I'll check the Kia MVP ladder and see what uh, NBA.com has him at. But I do think that last night sort of illustrates a, a detriment that may sort of get in his way when it comes to winning this award, and that is that he didn't have a great shooting night. It took him he went 8 of 22 shooting, a lot of free throws there uh, to get those 29 points. Neither did Luca. Luca went 7 of 23, had 23 points on 23 shots. That's not good. And the Mavericks were blown out by about 30 points.
3: Well, they're a bad team. They're a bad team. <laughs> they're a bad team.
1: And I guess that's sort of the old age-old debate here when it comes to the MVP award, which is if Jason Tatum has a poor night shooting and Jalen Brown has 19 points and Brogdon has 15 off the bench and um you know Derek White has a nice game Marcus Smart had 15 points like other people on this good team uh Jason Kidd called him the best team in the NBA last night if other people on this good team can step up then yeah Tatum's good but is he the most valuable Luka Doncic is clearly as valuable as it gets for that Dallas Mavericks team if he has a bad game they get blown out
3: but you're talking about most valuable player as if that's the way that that the votes go i know i mean we we talk about this in all in all four of the major sports most valuable player the award has really never been that it's best player yep best player this year and i'm not even saying that this is necessarily that tatum has proved that he's earned this or he deserves this or he has it locked up Mm -hmm. i'm saying that in these critical moments i think when uh the voters are going to look down look down at their stat sheet and look at all these head-to-head matchups and these major moments so far, he's killing in all of them. The only thing that I think might truck him a little bit is these insane – Offensive performances that some of some of these other contenders are having, yeah, in these terms of
1: fifty and sixty and seventy so point course, games. Yeah, of yeah. course,
3: like we just talked about, Luca didn't have a great night last night, but had the 60-21-10 game, which mm-hmm. is all anybody could talk about for like two weeks. Yeah, then you see Donovan Mitchell putting up seventy one points against the Bulls just three days ago, and I, like does Tatum have to put up something like that in order to contend with the? kind of more casual voter on their ballot, I don't know. Because to your point, like, that's not really a recipe for success for the Celtics when they're winning games.
1: Right. Yeah, when they're spreading yeah, of the course, ball around and playing good team basketball, Tatum doesn't need to exact, take 40 yeah, shots. They, yeah, you,
3: it is great when the Celtics rattle off six or seven passes before finishing the possession, you know? Like, that that's their recipe for success. It's not the ISO ball that got you... 50 burgers, a 60 burger, whatever mm-hmm. uh, in the playoffs two years ago and that's a good thing. And I don't think that they're going to want to change anything about the way that their offense has been performing this season. They're the best offense in the league.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I thought Shai Gilgis-Alexander was an MVP candidate until he missed a game and the Thunder <laughs> <laughs> crushed the Celtics in that game. But you look at, you know, Joel Embiid. So you're Embiid. saying
3: they should trade away some of the good players so that Tatum has wins a better MVP. chance at the MVP. I think
1: that's the best, the best way to go about this. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, you look at Embiid, you look at Luka, Giannis, uh, John Morant's another good one. I mean, Jokic and some of these other guys who have won MVPs before. And in Giannis's case, has won a championship before. And I feel like that sort of carries some weight in the MVP discussion too. If you're a champion and you've won an MVP and you're in the mix, I know sometimes there's like MVP fatigue, LeBron sort of got it, and you, you hear about that with various players sometimes. But, you know, Giannis is a... Bigger star than Tatum. There's not that many, but he's one of them. And he's right there in the mix, too. Embiid, I'd say, is like, in terms of popularity, because it is partially a popularity contest, he's he's pretty close with Tatum, I'd say. Um, Luka's right there, if not more popular. Like, all these guys are sort of in the same on the same tier. They're all at the same level. Uh, I don't think that any one of them, just based on their name or their stats or anything, is is like a clear-cut, obvious favorite right now. I agree with you. It should be Tatum. I think that they're the best team, and I tend to sort of lean towards, well, who's the best player on the best team? Like, that That sort of always spells MVP to me, and right now that's Tatum. But he also has another guy on that roster who may end up playing himself into the conversation here at some point. Jalen Brown's not that far off. He's like fifth, I think, in uh, all-star voting. So, you know, like, you've got you've got some guys there.
3: And apparently not afraid to go to his coach and shoot around and say, I want Luka. Right. Gave me that big fat butt. <laughs> How
1: about that? Yeah. He said, Give me, give me the uh give me Pudgy over there. Give me Luca. And well, uh you know what? He played great defense on him.
3: I, I like your conversation point about the point that you made about somebody being established in Giannis. I do feel like Tatum is getting to the point where, okay, his star has been rising for so long and then he's all NBA at the end of last year. It feels like in terms of the voting and the narrative of the league, as long as he can Keep establishing himself with this level of play, then it'll be like, okay, now it's time he's arrived.
1: Yeah. Like Um, now
3: he's a bona fide grown up in the league. mm. It feels like it would all make sense. Yeah. And I just think that he would have to supremely screw up or melt down in order for it. Or, you know, I do wonder about the well, golden... We've never
1: seen Jason Tatum melt exactly, down before, so exactly. that's good, right? Except not in the finals in the last four games of the uh, uh, biggest games of his life. 617 779 7 is your phone number. Malcolm Brogdon spoke a little bit after the game about the team's collective maturity. Listen to this. What does this kind of response, a 29-point win over the hottest
3: team in the NBA, say about this team? Uh,
0: you know, I think it speaks to our maturity. Um, I think some nights like, OK, see, our maturity lets us down a little bit. But, um, man, when we play the best, we, we really we really do beat the best. Um, we bring our best performances against them. Um, but we got to do this consistently night in, night out.
1: Yeah, they really do because that is a uh, that, that was a very Jekyll and Hyde sort of two performances there. That Oklahoma City game was pathetic. Like, they looked so bad in that game, and they really just got embarrassed by a young, scrappy, hungrier team. And uh, the Dallas Mavericks are not that. The Dallas Mavericks are kind of a young, scrappy, crappy team, but they also have the superstar hey, they're a little who, better than who does everything. They're, they, they're a little better, I guess, but, you know. Um, the maturity thing I think is interesting. He says, this speaks to our maturity, but our maturity also lets us down. Okay, well...
3: <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of a weird way to say it.
1: Right. I so guess, is it a plus or a minus, you know? Well,
3: I wonder if it's... I'm trying to translate this, so I don't know what he was intending to say, but I would take that as, on the one hand, we're, we're, we've we established ourselves, we kind of know who we are as a team, and we can self-govern to some in some respects, but on the other hand, like sometimes that little infrastructure within our team falls apart because when we're going up against someone that we have kind of as circled as a scheduled win in our our mind, then it feels like, okay, we can just stroll in here and do what we always do and lean on the offense instead of reading this team for what they are.
1: Yeah, Uh, I agree with that. I think that the team is a powerhouse. They're a powerhouse basketball team. You ask the teams in the Western Conference, they all say the same thing. John Morant, uh, Jason Kidd last night, the Celtics are the standard. They're considered right now the standard of the entire league. And that's the fact that they've played as well as they have with that sort of, you know, following them around and that sort of target on their back is impressive. It is for a team that I'm not always convinced was there mentally or ready to accept that type of pressure like they've they've handled it very well this year. Uh, 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Let's go to the phones. Talk to Mike, who is out in Revere. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, hey guys, I just wanted to talk about how it's nice to not have some of the older players like in you know recent years um, vying for the MVP. Just Of all those names that you said, I think the oldest one is like 27 years old. It's, it's no more LeBron. I mean, I love Curry and everything, but he's kind of not fading away, but that team isn't really where it wants to be. But it's just so refreshing knowing that the, the next 10, 15 years, you have such high-end talent spread out throughout the league. Eastern and Western conference and it's just nice to see some of the younger younger players for the younger generation um beginning to take the torch yeah I, I'm a, I'm with you there Mike I will say this there's one name who's not young who's lurking right now and may make a push here and that's Kevin Durant uh Kevin Durant is soaring up these MVP lists and I think that he has the same sort of Tatum problem as Kyrie Irving's on his team, so it's like, all right, you're very good, obviously, but you do have uh, a, that's
3: a problem Tatum used to have, <laughs> right? Exactly,
1: you do have a top ten, top fifteen player there uh, running alongside you. Um, as far as the rest of them go, though, yeah, it's mostly it's mostly younger guys. And you even look at the uh, at the All Star voting, and there's a lot of young players there in the, in the All Star voting. There's still the Currys and the Durants and all those other people. Kyrie is the leading vote getter in Eastern Conference guards, which is kind of scary considering the year that he's had like a lot of people still voting for him huh (laughs) yeah so
3: you bring up the all-star voting and i I think this is interesting from the fan side so they're they have the first fan returns out for all-star weekend and feels like you know we talk about the popularity contest tatum and brown are both pretty low for being on the best team in the league yeah so eastern conference front court right now is durant Giannis. And bead, and then Tatum comes in at four, right ahead of Jimmy Butler. And in terms of guards, it's Kyrie, Donovan Mitchell, uh, James Harden, and then Jalen Brown comes in at four, just yeah. ahead of Trey Young. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel, and then it kind of really falls off to me quickly because it goes to Trey Young and Demar Derozan. But yeah, I mean, you can't get in front of Harden for the between among the fans. I know the fans aren't going to vote in the MVP or whatever, but it's just like I it feels like there's some of this is still a little bit of disrespect. Yeah, and like still the, a Like, to your of... point, these guys haven't won anything. Right. All NBA once. You know, Jalen Brown wasn't even all-star last year, so it's like it, 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 they are still under the radar, it seems like, for some of the casual fans.
1: Your top four vote-getters in total... Are LeBron, Durant, Curry, and Kyrie? Those are this all older so players.
3: Lazy though. Yeah,
1: those are all older players. But I mean, they're still popular because they've been they're around long enough and built up the cachet and they're established. And that's sort of how it works. I mean, that's that's All Star voting. It's Kobe right. Bryant
4: and Yao Ming used to get votes when both those guys would be done with season-ending right. injuries.
1: Yao Ming, I think, missed an entire season and still, was yeah, still <laughs> leading vote getter in the All Star game in the Western Conference. I believe there was some uh, ballot harvesting going on there. That yeah, yeah. maybe a little bit. That's <laughs> we're not t- we're talking about that on January sixth. Stop. Steal, <laughs> stop the <laughs> Yao Ming steal 779 nine seven ninety three seven is the phone number. All that being said, um, the Celtics that was a uh, that was an impact win last night. They needed it. They needed it. They were uh, they were flailing a little bit, and they got focused and uh, were able to beat a team that in the last couple of years. Has really had their number. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times. Oh my God! The KG ceremony, Dinwiddie. Yeah, the KG game. I was at that. I was at
3: that game covering it, and right before it was like, Oh my God! It was like somebody just let out a horrible fart in the room, (laughs) like right before the KG ceremony. It was like Luca just kills you last minute, and then it's like, All right, fellas, come get showered, come out here and clap for the good players. You know, you know what sucked, too? years past. You remember it's,
4: this team? You
1: liked them more than the team exactly. that you just watched. You remember Jalen Brown?
3: Here's a guy every person in the building adores more than anyone on this team right now. Yeah,
1: that was fun. I enjoyed that whole thing, except uh, Jalen Brown. Remember Jalen Brown dunked on dunked that guy? On Maxi And Cleaver. then high-fived uh, Kevin Garnett right in the front row. <laughs> it was, was perfection. Like, this was is the best thing ever. 99% yes.
4: perfection at the end of the game happened. And then Dinwiddie hit that three, and it's like, oh, come on.
1: And
3: then to cap it all off, wow literally i know people get mad when millennials say literally but this is how it happened in real time kevin garnett is pulling the rope pulling his number up to the rafters and tom brady announces he's coming out of his i know yeah. day retirement everything happened that day can you just leave-
1: please clap <laughs> thank you jeb can you just leave kg alone can, can you, you give that him happen? a
3: minute uh, I mean, can he at least get the number in the rafters before everybody's looking down at their phones because Twitter's blowing up?
1: Um, my favorite part of that whole night, and this is just because of, I'm a Celtics fan of a certain age, but I think the greatest thing that happened during the Kevin Garnett uh, ceremony was when they put Isaiah Thomas up to say do his little thing because they're both Chicago guys. So, uh-huh. like, Isaiah Thomas got, and as soon as his face hit the jumbo tree, oh, Oh, was suck. great! It was the best. If, I So, I was a little kid back in the 80s when the old garden with the Celtics and the Pistons. I remember that whole place shaking, with people going "Sally," you know, just everybody. They hated him. Oh, it was great. Am I old enough for this? I guess I am. Quoting the '80s, you're talking about the '80s Celtics.
3: '80s and old Garden in the same sentence. You had to get this music. My favorite part. I
4: remember the Garden back in my (laughs) youth. Yeah, it used to shake. My favorite part was uh,
3: (laughs) Paul Pierce was celebrating like it was his number retirement ceremony, and he got up there like. It didn't even seem like, I'm pretty sure it wasn't scheduled because he got up and he had the microphone and he was like, I don't have much to say. I wasn't prepared to say something. I had a speech well, prepared, but I forgot it. I think he also had to
4: follow <laughs> Mike Gorman, who made like an incredible yeah. right. speech. Mike Gorman sat up there and just killed the room. He was so good. And they're like, all right, everybody, here's the truth. Paul Pierce.
3: And all of us in the Uh-oh. media kind of looked at each other and we were like, I don't think he was supposed to be speaking. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he just volunteered for himself and he was making it like, oh, he's so put upon. Like, oh, I didn't prepare anything for this guys i think he probably had like seven hennesses in the last two hours before Maybe. that so paul likes to know. party man we uh, know that about him
1: 617-779-7937 there's your phone number a uh, player was recently released by the dallas mavericks and a prominent boston celtic is making googly eyes at him on uh, social media we'll get to that next Sports Radio WEEI Christian Arkin Megan Adelini It's Arcan and Mego Um there was a a uh, there's a tweet there's there some movement in the NBA Um the Dallas Mavericks upon getting beaten by the uh, Celtics released Kemba Walker today Sad. His veteran minimum salary would have been guaranteed tomorrow so kind of a weaselly move there by Dallas but I mean, I guess I understand it. It's not like Walker is uh, is doing much. He had that one game. But um, as most teams that end up signing Kemba Walker figure out, it's tough to have him on the floor in certain situations uh, because his knees are all messed up and because he can't play defense on anybody. Um, when the news was shared on Twitter, a Boston Celtic responded with uh, the eyeball emoji and a couple of shamrocks, and that would be Jason Tatum, who if you remember from the uh, bubble and from Kemba Walker's uh, previous stint here, very close friends, those two. they were uh, they were boys. and um I think that you definitely uh, now get to sort of see a test of just how much sway and influence someone like Jason Tatum has because, you know, there's not a lot of guys out there that you sort of look at who get you know cut or released or whatever, and Tatum starts making googly eyes at him., uh, the fact that he's doing that, I don't know. I, I think that Brad Stevens is going to have to either seriously consider bringing in Kemba, which I don't know why you would do that at this point. I wouldn't bring him in for free, let alone trade something for him. But uh, it's uh, it's it's this is it. Like how big a star is Jason Tatum? Does he have this kind of sway? Is he a mini GM in uh, in waiting here? Arcan What
3: you really think that a googly eye tweet is going to bring Kemba Walker in here?
1: Yes, I think it could. Old
3: squeaky knees, Kemba Walker. And it's basically I say that breaking with love. He's a point. wonderful guy. Wonderful I think he is. guy. He put up 32 uh, last month in a loss against, uh, in, against Cleveland. So people look at that and say that he's not washed. He doesn't fit in with this team at all, other than being Jason Tatum's friend. And I, I'm sorry to say that because, again, like, he was a great talent a few years ago. And by all accounts, like, wonderful, sweet guy. And yep. I know the Yukon people would love to have him here and everything. But it's just, like, I, I don't think that there's any – I think, if anything, that's just Tatum trying to – you know, save face for his guy.
1: Or maybe help build, like, a market for him elsewhere.
3: Yeah, or just say, like, wow, this guy is so good. He's still in the mix. You yeah. know, I'd still want him here. I don't I- think it's anything serious. Like, he's going to go to Brad and be like, hey, can we make some room for Kemba here? I don't know. That wouldn't even fit. They can't even find room for Pritchard right now. Like, Pritchard is on the hot seat every other day. It's
1: true. They got a lot of point guards on this team. you better not touch my son. <laughs> a lot of point guards on this Never team. Never
3: talk to me again. He's uh, losing
1: time to Brogdon and Derek White. Smart, White, Brogdon, Pritchard. You know, Howser.
3: I mean, the the in terms of the shooter role.
1: Sure. Yeah. And Kemba Walker. I mean, listen. He's he's got he's still got some ability. And I, at one point, I thought he was one of the best scoring guards in the league. But at this point. It's just kind of getting sad with him, isn't it? Isn't it sort of just like a sad thing? These teams keep bringing him in for like 10 days and he'll have one good game and everyone says, oh, see, there's Kemba Walker. Look, he's still good. And then it's like, okay, well, now he can't. we can't put him out there anymore. I like say the Isaiah this, Thomas yeah. tour. Sort of I say the same thing. It's also very depressing to watch. All, all love you know and respect.
3: Don't, just don't make this IT 2.0. Like don't have him go down to the G League and be playing out some games in the G League and hanging up like crazy numbers and then getting bumped up because somebody has a roster spot somewhere and then we see a one-off game and we're, whoa, Kemba, 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 you know, and then a cardiac Kemba and then he falls back down. Like, sometimes you just got to know your body's out on it. And it, just for the Celtics in particular, we saw against OKC, we saw against the Nuggets what happens when they go, they stray so far away from the defense that they played last yep. year and that they played last night. Just can't have it. Too much of a liability. Yeah. Sorry to say. I, I remember Scal you.
4: came on with us last year, and and what he said is stuck with me with this group, is if you can't defend your position on this core group of Celtics, it's almost impossible to fit you on the court. And look, I, I love Kemba Walker, too, and you know maybe he does get an opportunity to play elsewhere. Even with the Celtics, I do believe, have a roster spot after they flipped Noah Vonley, but they were trying to move him in order to not have his $7 million guaranteed. So it's almost like they're going to save that space for somebody might be a little more valuable. Than than
1: Kemba Walker, yeah, and I see people say, "Well, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, he gets hurt a lot. It might be good to have some insurance for him. That's you have why, insurance for him. That's why he's yeah, also Derek White,
3: a second stringer, right?
1: You have Derek White, and you got Peyton Pritchard. You have a log jam at point guard right now. If if you want to call it anything, I mean, it's not. There's definitely no room on the roster right now. So if you want to make a move that earmuffs Megan, gets Peyton Pritchard out of here or something, then you know you bring in Walker then. But I don't see any point in uh, in doing that. I don't. I don't think it was. I'm a already serious sad
3: thing. enough, like seeing. Hate and relegated to the garbage time and a blowout historical. Come on, loss you wouldn't want to see him and what he could do with seventeen points. If like, Greg
4: Popovich was his coach too, yeah. see him in the black oh, and white of the
3: San God. Antonio. Spurs. It's gonna happen. I mean, there's no way that Pritchard finishes the regular season a Celtic, right? Um,
1: we'll there's see. not
3: very many pieces that I think they're gonna move f- at the trade deadline or what they're gonna try to get and for for trying to shore up probably some big insurance and yeah. they can't find a big to back up Al Horford. But who has uh, I'm sorry, more value? Besides right. Your bro your beloved Cornette.
1: <laughs> I love Cornett. Who has more <laughs> value though? Pritchard, Brogdon, or White? I think Brogdon and White both do. I think they have just like in the in the market. But
3: they have value to the Celtics.
1: Sure. But if you're gonna trade one but of you them, you can't
3: trade Brogdon. He's been too good. And you can't. I
4: trade White. You cannot trade Derek White. Why not? <laughs> oh, if if you were giving me the opportunity to pick between Peyton Pritchard, Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon, I am not moving Derek White. He has taken massive leaps forward. His jump shot doesn't look so broken and janky, and he fits in with what this team is trying to do, he doesn't call his own number often, and he is hitting the open shots. He's moving the ball. He's defending well. He volleyball spiked the ball off of Spencer Dinwiddie's head last. That night. was a nice play. I mean, he he is exactly what Brad Stevens and I think to an extent Joe Mazzulla are looking for in a second unit point guard. Okay, right? not
1: moving Derek White, but he is maybe a third unit guy right now. He's a third stringer at that position. Yeah. If you have a third stringer who's that good, that's when you look to trade somebody because you have value there. But these right? are you have these a, are great problems to have with this last roster. guy
3: at second. Stringer, but I, I can I ask something that's kind mm-hmm. of weird, weird little detour. But I was talking about it last night at the bar.
4: We're not going into creepy corner with, with my we?
3: Dorchester friends uh that I was making at the bar. Uh-huh. Mostly the bartender. Do you feel like um Tatum and Derek White are almost the same size right now? No. I I have <laughs> been noticing this in recent games. Stay stay with me for a second. I'm not talking about in height, but I Tatum's definitely. He's definitely, like, slimmed a little bit since last season, right? And I, I remember in the offseason he was talking a little bit about some of the bulk that he was carrying in his shoulders and everything at different points in his career. has screwed up his shot and screwed up his follow-through. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I know you think I'm crazy. Either Derek White has put a little muscle on and Tatum's shaved a little bit off. Okay. Watch it next time. All right. Again, it might be the martinis talking. All the bartenders agreed with me. Derek
4: White is a new father as of the playoffs, so maybe
1: he's looking to spend
4: more time in the gym these days.
1: Yep. There you go. There's the dad strength that that comes along with that as well. I do. Uh, You wouldn't know it from looking at me, but sure. Um, Yeah. Also, he's like six inches shorter than (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm talking about the size. I'm talking about the great martinis.
3: We're not talking about girth. Good Lord. It's not even 5 o'clock. Will you relax? We're
1: not in the safe zone yet. We're not talking about Garth. <laughs> 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back uh, at 5 o'clock. Reset on the Patriots. Big game for them tomorrow. It's winner go home. A trash bag game, as Gerard Mayo so put it. Uh, we'll get to all that next.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours